Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Aloha! Tonight on BC Radio Live, we're going to look at a few books. We will hear from Hilary Sam, author of Hollywood Assistance Handbook, 86 Rules for Aspiring Players. We will also talk with John Cacioppo, author of Loneliness, Human Nature and the Need for Social Connection. First up, though, we'll chat with Alex Sabella, author of Today is Wednesday, August 27th, and this is Major Label Edition of DC Radio Live. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio, and the live video feed is now running. I am Philip Wynn, button pusher for BC Radio Live and chief geek at BC Magazine, and I am joined tonight, as most weeks, with, by Eric Olson and Lisa McKay. Eric is BC Magazine's founder and publisher, and Lisa is BC Magazine's executive editor. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks. Hi. <laughs> Are you Amish? Were you on my roof at 730? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm afraid that uh, your lack of sleep is not my fault. <laughs> God, all of a sudden it feels like I, because see, Alex wakes up our four-year-old usually about six thirty-seven, and uh, but you know we don't we get up with him and get him placed in front of the TV or playing with his guys, his uh, Lego guys and whatnot, and. A little bit of food, and then go back to bed like normal people, and um, so you know that's done in a zombie state. And then all of a sudden, at like seven thirty, that literally the house is shaking. It sounds like elephants are walking through the the hallways, and I I roll downstairs, and and there's a small army of bearded Amish people. Uh, armed with hammers, looking as menacing as Amish people can look, which isn't all that terribly menacing, once you realize they're not coming to hammer you. And uh, Don mentioned, oh yeah, they came to fix the roof. <laughs> so that was that was the beginning of my day. And then it's been uh, a long one, because you know, anyone who's listening, who cares, probably already knows this was our big week, our big announcement after months of intense uh, discussion and integration and madness and craziness and whatnot, and more months before that of discussion and wrangling and contemplation. We have been obtained <laughs> by Technorati, so that's that's a really that's a big thing. And man, I you know I had no idea what to expect in terms of 
the kind of response we get. And, and I didn't hear from that much press. I heard from mostly local people here in Cleveland who I kind of sure. figured I would. And so, you know, I, I've done several interviews, and that's fun and interesting. But, you know, not, nothing overwhelming and mostly local. But just, you know, from the emails that have gone out, just to all our different lists, our members. Sure, and, sure. Man, I've had I, – I've been trying to save them, trying to remember to save them. I mean, it's at least 200 emails. Yeah. Um, well, we, we do have a few guests to get to tonight, but so we don't want to spend too long. But um, So just real briefly, there was a, a story that was, uh, you know, went out a little early on TechCrunch.com Tuesday morning and a press release that went out uh, later Tuesday morning. And uh, we've, we've basically been unable to talk about anything for the last month and a half related to this, but uh, blogcritics.org, BC Magazine and, and associated sites, blogcritics, desicritics.org, uh, glosslip.com, uh, have been acquired by technorati.com for an undisclosed sum. And uh, the owners, three of the owners are, are right here hosting this show. That would be Eric Olson, founder and publisher, uh, Lisa McKay, the executive ed- executive editor, and myself, the chief geek. Uh, there are also other people who um, get their cut, get, are involved, but aren't uh, active day to day. So um, actually, Eric and I, you and I, we're going to be Technorati employees. We are. T- well, I am. <laughs> yeah, you you are a Technorati employee. I am, employee. yeah. I, I, I had to be a Technorati employee in less than two weeks. I, I have to... Finish obligations with my current day job employer. But, so how'd uh, that go? By the way, uh, it's sad. I've been working there for twelve and a half years. Um, so you know, it's always it's always sad to. Were they shocked? The co-owner. Oh yeah, the co-owner of my company. Uh, I took him out to lunch, and he shed a few tears while proclaiming happiness for me. So it's you know it's a pretty small, pretty close knit company, and. Well, hopefully I'll hopefully I'll be able to stick with Technorati for twelve and a half or more years as well. That'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> that my mind I, is reeling at that concept. I, my my uh, <laughs> I'm a long term kind of guy. What can I say? And uh, Lisa will still be uh, continuing with BC Magazine, though uh, not as a full time employee like Eric and I will. So I I'm pretty excited because I've wanted to do this full time for. Um, gosh, four or five years now, <laughs> and uh, this is finally uh, finally the chance to do it. So that's that's my big uh, big amount is of our, time. Is our first guest waiting for us? Because I'll shut yes, up. But, uh, yes, yes, he is. We oh, should, well, we then should. let's do that. I just wanted to mention super quickly because Philip didn't hear it, uh, but I because I, he he missed it. He was at lunch or powdering his nose or something. But I I, I spoke or participated via phone conference call in the in the Technorati all hands meeting where they broke the news to their employees and just gave you know answered a couple questions gave a little speech and they really made a big deal uh about how amazingly well done is the original technology of blog critics so so that's you philip yeah that's always nice to hear all, all those uh Two in the mornings, three in the mornings, weekends coding have uh, have paid off, I guess. Well, let's uh, let's jump right to it. Um, all our self-congratulatory uh, backslapping and all that kind of stuff is uh, is uninteresting to most people, I suspect. So, uh, in the meantime, this is still BC Radio Live, live every week at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash BC Radio, and uh, co-hosting with Eric and Lisa. I am Philip. Our first guest, Alex Abella 
suggests that the RAND Corporation and the philosophy it espouses has been a major force in recent American history, say over the last 50 years, and that RAND's legacy stretches beyond some of the perhaps obvious things like Vietnam, Iraq, or, or the Cold War, uh, but even further to influence even our current views on taxes, health care, uh, various political issues that most of us are, are unaware. Uh, his latest book uh, describing this is called Soldiers of Reason, The Rand Corporation and the Rise of American Empire. He's also written several other successful books. And his website is alexabella.com. That's A-L-E-X-A-B-E-L-L-A.com. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Our pleasure. Now, now, since I, I, I read that you were born in Cuba, is it yes, Abella or Abella? Well, you know, it depends. My brother pronounces it Abella. I pronounce it Abella because, uh, you know, I just didn't want to be mistaken for an Italian. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Abella does sound quite Italian, doesn't it? You know, it? yeah. Matter of fact, there's a town near Naples. It's called Abella. And uh, I speak Italian, too. So, and matter of fact, I almost married an Italian woman once. And everybody thought that I was Italian. Then I said to myself, you know, I am who I am, and I'm proud of being what I am. So <clears throat> it's a bay up. Just but like hey, Popeye, you are you are who you are. <laughs> you, you know, you can call me whatever you want. Just read the book. So I really wish <laughs> a lot of people would read the book. I'm not even telling you to buy it. I'm just telling you, read the book. It's really important because what I'm talking about, as as you guys have mentioned, it isn't just about the influence that Rand has had on foreign affairs, on the Cold War, Iraq, you know, Donald Rumsfeld and all those guys. I'm talking about the very foundation of our country, the way that we think right now about the government, what the government owes us and what we owe the government, how we think of ourselves in our relations to others. To a very large degree, it came out of Rand because it was the organization that supplied the thinking for our consumer-driven society. So we go back to, say, Eisenhower's, you know, warning essentially America of the uh, the rise of the military-industrial complex. Right, right. That, that's Rand. That's Rand, absolutely. When Eisenhower did that, yes, he was warning people about the rise of Rand and, people, and, and organizations like it. Because uh, basically what he was saying is, hey, you know, you've got a new president coming in, John F. Kennedy, who's basically being put in here by, by Rand and its people. Uh, Rand uh, people, uh, uh, scientists, were the ones that gave uh, JFK uh, information, what was called the missile gap. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but back in the late 50s, there was this big fear that Russia, the Soviet Union, was overtaking the United States. Uh, technologically. I mean, they have put sure. the first satellite up in space, Sputnik, and there was this rumor going around that, uh, the story actually, that they had more missiles than we did. It was called the missile gap. And uh, the RAND people were giving all this, all this information to JFK. And uh, to a very large degree, you know, that helped with his campaign as well. Uh, of course, it's not that it, there was a missile gap. It was in our favor, not in favor of the Soviets. Uh, and JFK was also, you know, backed by a lot of people who were very influential in the defense industries. Um, so, you know, you, you, that's what Eisenhower was warning against. But like I said, like you guys said at the beginning, it's rational choice. It's the theory called rational choice that comes out of Rand that I think is their most important contribution to American history, to world history, actually, because then it was copied by other countries, such as Thatcher and other people that deregulated their government. So why don't you give us a little outline what what is that theory of rational choice? 
Rational choice is very simple. Rational choice came up as an alternative to communism, in which you know it's the the, uh, the collective um, is uh, imperative, is the one that actually calls the shots and says everything is done for the collective, and the individual is only only has value in regard in so far as he is a member of a greater thing of of the collective itself, and thus the state can decide what to do for the individual. Rational choice turned that on its head and said, no, it's the individual that should be at the center of everything, uh, and that you know people should be willing to uh, then make their own mistakes and uh, and do whatever it is that contributes to their own well-being. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, but it went a step further in that it also said that the greatest good is that which is intrinsically selfish, that is, that is self-directed. So it's not the individual as a member of, an, of a group or a member of a group of, of individuals. It's just the individual. So it's all self-directed to the point that it, 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 it disrupts the ties that bind us in a society. And it gave the uh, – it was, it was done by somebody named Kenneth Arrow, who later won a Nobel Prize for economics. And it was an economic theory because he proved economically – I mean in his theory, excuse me – Formally, that when you have more than two people trying to agree on more than three subjects, that there is no uh, agreement among them unless somebody imposes his will on the others, which, of course, to us sounds kind of crazy, but he proved it formally. And what they did at RAN is that they expanded upon these theories and therefore made it so like, you know, they would make it so like the gov- government it's, uh, is not – no politician is in it for uh, for the for the people. They're just in it for themselves. We're all self-interested parties, and whatever is good for us, for the individual, is what's best for society. But you know that then denies the role of patriotism, uh, of altruism, and even religion. So when you get to deal with places like uh, Iraq, we don't know how to deal with people who are willing to kill themselves for an idea. Not one, but many people like that. And then we also have the problem which whole industries are deregulated, thinking, well, the government really should not tell the people what to do because people should know what to do themselves and they should be free to choose. So therefore, just deregulate these industries. So therefore, that became a very powerful tool by some very powerful vested gov- uh, financial interests that took advantage of this to- and ran with it, uh, starting with uh, Ronald Reagan in 1980. That's why I'm saying that's so so that's the core of Reaganomics, in other words. Yes, it is. It's the theoretical foundation for Reaganomics and for the free market approach, you know, the Chicago School of Economics. And well, the now, law of unintended consequences that it ended <laughs> up unleashing uh, many that. opposing forces. Absolutely. No, yeah, let me tell you how it all came about. It all came about because <laughs> – because Kenneth Arrow was given the job of trying to decide how would the Soviet Union dis- uh, act if we went to war with them. I mean, because at the time we couldn't figure out the Soviet Union. We we had no spies in, in Russia, and you know Stalin was still in there, and it was a really close society. And they, so they started working along something called game theory, which is if you act this way, you know, and then you act another way, right? Trying to to game things out. So he was asked to do it in formal terms, and this is what he came up with. So it's just one of the great ironies of history. Really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when you when you hear about the Rand Corporation, I suppose we should back up a little and maybe just yeah. kind of give us the background on it and how it came to be and what it actually is. Because oh, sure. when you hear about it, it sounds like a combination of you know like the 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 most extreme theories 
uh, conspiracy theories about the Masons uh, along with the uh, elders of Zion. You know? That's right. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Well, you know, Rand is part of the permanent government of the United States. There's no doubt about that. Uh, as one of his VPs said, there were, you know, more people. They were involved with the neocons. They were involved with, uh, uh, with you know, the people who got us into Iraq. And as a former VP uh, just wrote a few days ago, there were more people hired in the first Clinton administration by, from Rand than there were in the first Bush administration. Uh, so, you know, there is like it's the revolving door of Rand, and it's been going on like that since practically since 1950. Rand came about in 1946 when there was a, a U.S. Army Air Force general that wanted to uh, continue with um, the, the, the same kind of thinking that had given us the Manhattan Project. As uh, so, you know, the Manhattan Project gave us the atomic bomb. So the Air Force, which was uh, the, the carrier of the bomb and thus the most important of all, the um, uh, branches of the armed forces wanted to have its own uh, scientists to advise it on new weapons of war. So they decided to set up this organization. After a couple of years, the organization grew so much that it had to spin off and become independent. So it became so like an independent think tank advising the government on the best ways to wage war. Uh, and it became like the very first and certainly the most influential think tank in the United States. And how did you get access to all the records? Because this is the first time, really, that there's been a, at least a popular book. Um, exactly. You know, with 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 this kind of access, how did how did you pull that? Well, yeah, uh, to this day, I'm 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 I myself am puzzled. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but they did. I mean, I I knew somebody inside, and uh, you know, I I was interested as to what they were doing because I hadn't heard from them always since I was in college. And then I realized I thought that you know I thought that you know these guys were something you know they had done something a long time ago and they really weren't that important anymore. And the more research I did, the more I realized how crucial they are to the development of of government right now of, of our history and you know how the, their their thumbprints are, are everywhere. And so I approached them and I said, you know, I want to do a general history of this. You know, it's not going to be, you know, uh, a wonkish kind of history because, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified, frankly. I'm not a physicist. I'm not an economist. And, you know, I'm a writer. You're not I'm a wonkicist. I'm not a wonkicist, right. You know, all I do, all I know how to do is write. Uh, and, uh, and to my surprise, I said, okay, fine. And let's do it. So, um, so they open up their files and, you know, they let me talk to their people, et cetera. Now they're not too happy about it because, you know, I point out their influence.
Hello? 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 Is Eric there? Hello? Hello? Hi, this is Alex Abeya. I think we were cut off. Yes, John Cassiopo. I'm sorry? This is John Cassiopo. Yes. Are you the author of the book on Rand? Yes, I was just I was just talking. I was being interviewed right now, and somehow uh, we got cut off. Yes, I'm actually a different author. I was uh, listening. Oh. oh. But I'm, I'm not sure what happened either. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they just cut me off. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll hang up if um, you if they come on to, because you were being interviewed. I'll I'll hang up. I was just uh... all right. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Hello. This is weird. Hello. Hello?
Like your 